Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. It's another episode of 1% Better. Colts coming off, eh, they call it their mini-buy, I guess. They played Thursday night. You already know that. Uh, they got a big win over the Tennessee Titans, and now they're looking ahead to, I don't even know what week it is, Zach. Week 11, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so, middle of November. You kinda, it's, it's the time of year you kind of lose track. I know. But, man, it, it's it's heating up for sure. Uh, so since we're sort of between games here and the Colts aren't coming off a Sunday game, uh, we figured we might do something a little different. So uh, we solicited on Twitter, where many of you follow us, we solicited some reader questions. And we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag today, which I think is always nice. We've done this a couple times before, and the questions are always great, too, which I love, Right. Um, which means you guys are paying attention. So, yeah, without further ado, let's jump into this. Um, Zach, I will let you do the honors and uh, pick our first one. All right, we will roll right in. This is from Aaron Redding. Uh, I think we've gotten questions from Aaron before. So, here's a good one. Do the Colts have enough talent in all three phases to be a legit contender for the AFC title against the Chiefs, Steelers, etc.? It was a great game against the Titans, and still can't shake that feeling. I'm not sure we'll get there each week. I get the Titans win was convincing. Yeah. I'm not ready to go Chiefs Steelers yet. Are you? No, I'm not. I I think they still have to sort of shake that reputation that we saw play out a little bit against Baltimore, which is that the teams that are a cut above, they have not fared well against generally. Um they haven't played a lot of those this year, but but I think in terms of the offense, like you know, they played an elite defense in the Bears. They didn't get the job done. They won the game, but that was by no means a, a great offensive performance. Same against Baltimore, elite defense. They made them look bad. But I will tell you, and I'll let you give your perspective on this. I, I will tell you, I am starting to see this team in a, a little bit different light uh, after Thursday night. I mean. A couple of reasons. Number one, they went out there and they played dominating defense for the most part. And they that's a better offense than than most they're gonna face. Maybe not Green Bay, but but certainly that's a that's an offense that can make some things happen. And they had some struggles against the Colts. They had a lot of struggles. And I think we've seen this now play out consistently. That defense is good enough to make good teams look bad. And that can take you places, you know. I think just like last year, we blinked our eyes and the Titans were in the freaking AFC Championship game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can happen. And I think the defense gives you a chance every Sunday. And and when you have that, that's how you upset teams in the playoffs. So I'm not going to rule anything out. But 
I think they got a little more work to do in terms of consistency and in terms of offensive consistency in particular. That's where my concern is. I think they have more talent than we probably give them credit for. We just don't see it all the time. I think you nailed it. You said the defense can give you a shot every Sunday. And I think you saw that sort of last week, right? That was the Colts at their best, right? The Titans win was their best. We've seen them from start to finish all season. It was the best team they've beaten and they beat them convincingly. And this is something we've mentioned before, but I'm going to bring it up again. You know, what are the two months of the year Chris Ballard thinks about the most? He, he's, he's said this a million times, November, December. That's why he built the team the way he did. O-line, D-line. You're seeing the defensive line straight up dominate some games. I mean, they've been fantastic. I think they're as good as probably most units in the league. I mean, some of the best units in the league, I think they're right up there. That can give you a shot to win. And when the offense gets going like it does Thursday, you win by a lot. I think it'll give you a shot. And I think the fun part about the last two months of the season are going to be you're going to see a lot more chances to, for them to prove themselves against really good football teams. Aaron Rodgers comes to town on Sunday. You get the Titans rematch the following week. You've got Las Vegas coming up. And you also get the undefeated Steelers in week 16. They, you know, whether they're undefeated at that point, we'll see. But you're going to get to see them swing against some of the best teams in the AFC and, and how they do will reveal itself, but you throw the Packers in from the NFC, and, and that's going to be fun. So whether Thursday was a tease or not will reveal itself, but but I like what you're onto there by saying, look, the defense is going to give you a shot. I really do. Like, even against Baltimore, the defense gave you every shot you wanted to win the right. game. The offense couldn't carry the load, that's for sure. But, um, you know, you're not going to win them all, but I definitely think they're going to have a chance and, and usually when a team makes a deep run in the playoffs that's maybe off the radar, they usually do it with one unit being elite, right? One unit yes. getting really hot at the right time. The Titans, no one could stop Derrick Henry last year, and, and they made it to the AFC Championship game. We know how the Chiefs do it. The Colts' defense is, is not there yet, but it wouldn't stun me if they still continued to get better as the season went on. I'll just add this one last thing to put a bow on it. I think part of the reason for our uncertainty about them and, and our unwillingness to like go too far down this road is because they haven't had a chance to prove it because the schedule they've played really hasn't hasn't given them a chance to to you know maybe announce to the world what they are, right? You've got to win some big games. So I think the Titans game is a start. There's another chance this weekend. Green Bay. I mean, that would be a statement win, right? So, oh yeah. So I think that's that's what you you alluded to this already, but I'm just sort of you know putting it more more clearly. I think that uh, the perception could easily change in the coming weeks, and that's up to them. But I I think they have a great chance to win uh, all of these upcoming games that are seen as tough games. They have a chance to win all of them. I think they should be in all of them. We'll see. If they're not, I'm, I'll be a little disappointed in them if they're not in those games. I definitely look at them a little bit differently now than I did before the Titans game. I yeah. will say that. I think the fans do too. Um, next up from Christine. Good one. And you touched on this in your film review. Um, what needs to happen for the improvement in the running game? What changes do you expect a team to make in that regard? Is Taylor still the number one back or will it be more by committee? Go. Yeah, so it is by committee. I mean, I think that is clear now. I don't think there's I think any the last questions few confirm that. Yeah. They they're not even trying to make this a one man show anymore. It never really was, but You can't you can't justify yeah. it. Right. So it's definitely by committee. So that we know. The question is what members of the committee do you use when <laughs> and 
And then what's going on with the other part of that committee, which is the offensive line. And I, I will start by this, by saying this, I think the offensive line, I will tell you every week I watch and I never walk away feeling like, man, those guys aren't getting it done. You know, I, I think they could play better. And there are some individual situations where like individual guys are not executing at the right time. Like, for example, there were a couple plays where Braden Smith didn't get it done on Sunday or excuse me on Thursday. And that ended up with some penetration or, you know, maybe it was Glowinski and sometimes it's Anthony Costanzo, whoever, right? I mean, it's all of them. They, there are individual plays where they all have a bad snap and, and that's all it takes. Okay. It's five acting as one. And so if one guy doesn't do his part, you know what happens. So that can't happen. They all got to execute and they got to do it more consistently. That being said, Overall, I mean, there are a lot of plays that you can watch for yourself if you really pay attention. There are a lot of plays where they're just demolishing guys, okay? Mm-hmm. I thought and, your film review pointed this out, too. Yeah, and I thought Frank Reich had a great point where he, he talked about Jacoby Brissett's quarterback sneak. I mean, the defensive line is like a yard back. It pushed a yard off the goal line and it gets into the end zone, okay? They're literally in the end zone. They got such a good push there. So... I guess my point is, it's running backs are going to have to be resourceful. Um, Marlon Mack's not here. We know that. And they're going to have to figure it out and find it within themselves. I think Jonathan Taylor, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to come on here and like rip this guy because I don't think that's fair because this season didn't play out the way anyone had hoped. But um, I, I just think that he's got he's to gotta be more determined to make this happen. Because he's the guy, he's the most talented guy back there in terms of running the football. He's the most talented guy. But why is Naheem Hines the one that's breaking 12 and 13 yard runs? You know, so that to me is confounding. But I, I think it, I think the opportunities are there. They just the running backs got it. They got to get more out of the backs. Honestly, we talked about this early in the year, and, and I think it's relevant here. Your film review pointed this out about Naheem. There was a play where he just saw the hole and he went right at it. He was convicted that that was the spot. He didn't second-guess himself. I feel like we're seeing that with Taylor a little bit. And and Taylor and even some coaches I've talked to have mentioned this, like, look, these holes are going to be smaller than they were in the Big Ten, right? And they're going to disappear much quicker than they did in the Big Ten. And and I think we saw a big jump from Marlon Mack in year one and year two, right? Year one – he didn't necessarily hit the hole as quickly. And, and Marlon's the fastest of all of them. But, you know, when he did in, in 18 and 19, you saw him absolutely ascend into a bona fide weapon on this offense. Sees the hole, goes. And I think there was two things happening. The offensive line was getting better and Marlon Mack was be- getting better. And together they were making each other look a lot better, right? They were helping each other. Now I think you're seeing the running backs not helping the offensive line as much. And the offensive line you know, has been good in spots and they've struggled in others. But I still think if you see a guy like Naheem Hines who can see the hole and, and, and go, I, I just thought his closing speed towards the hole and those little gaps that they had in the Tennessee defense, it seemed like he was running more determined on Thursday night. And even Rathman, you know, Tom Rathman on the sideline was like, there's something in this kid's eyes tonight. Frank, keep giving him the ball. He ran very determined. And at times it seems like Taylor is is looking for something on the outside or doesn't go to the hole quick enough or hesitates. And that's holding him back. And and I think that's something that Taylor's going to have to learn. Um, but I thought the film review did a good job pointing that out. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's a committee right now. 
And and the one thing is Frank has proven that he will go with the hot hand. Jordan Wilkins in Detroit, give him the ball, keep giving him the ball. It's working. Naheem Hines in Tennessee, keep going with him. It's it's not working with Taylor. Where that leaves Taylor the last seven games, I don't know, but I know this. They're going to need him. They're going to need him in some situations, and he's still going to be a major player on this team, whether he's the starter by name only is irrelevant. Um, they're just going to have to figure that out. But but I think the holes are there. Um, they do miss Marlon Mack, but they're going to need somebody to step up. It doesn't matter which of the three do it. One of them's going to have to do it. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is just, you know, with the offensive line, I, I think the, a better way to phrase what I was trying to say is this. Uh, their performance is not so subpar that the Colts should have one of the worst running games in the NFL. <laughs> okay. So let's put it that way. Yes. Like they're they're playing well 100%. enough. Hundred percent. You know, they're we can we can nitpick about their performance. Like they're not above reproach. Quentin Nelson's a freaking sixth pick in the draft, so I want him to play like the best damn guard in the NFL. Right? That's that's where the bar is. And if he's not at that bar, then he should be. You know, uh, we should have not criticism, but you know, we should certainly look into that. But my point is. Their performance is not so bad that they should be one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. That no. is not what this is. So that leaves the running backs to get more out of what they have. That's what I. That's how I feel about it. So uh, obviously we couldn't go too long without a question about the quarterback. Do you think Philip Rivers has what it takes to hit some deep balls and keep defenses honest? I'm concerned with teams stacking the box. Uh, I'm not sure why you'd stack the box. The Colts running game isn't very good. Um <laughs> I think Rivers has answered that question. Now, he hasn't done it over the complete season, but there have definitely been times where the quarterback has looked really, really good. And for my money, I thought Thursday was one of his better performances as a Colt. I mean, he he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes, and he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers, but 29 for 39 for 300 yards and really, really sound quarterback in play. I mean, I, I've, I think I've seen Rivers. I think I see the why. I think I've seen why they brought this guy in. Now, I haven't seen it all season. The Browns game sticks out in terms of what you get on the bad side of it, but I get it. Like I feel like it's significantly a step up from what we were watching last year. Yeah, and I also would say that they're getting a fair number of chunk plays. Like they probably yeah. want more and probably need more. But they're I dug getting... into this big time last week. The numbers yeah. tell you that, right? And I think that is that is part of the why that you just mentioned right that's a big part of the why and the other thing i would say is you need that you you have to have that otherwise first of all if you're not getting the chunk plays then there isn't much difference between him and jacoby Brissett because jacoby Brissett can give you 70 percent passing but not give you big yards right how do you win in this league right right exactly so so if you want 70 percent passing and you don't care how many yards you throw for it well then play Jacoby Brissett but if you want some chunks then you know Philip Rivers is is their better option and so that's why that's a big reason why he's here so they're getting that um now the question mentions teams stacking the box they do actually stack the box sometimes uh, more than you might expect for a team that can't run the ball effectively, but that is because Frank Reich is stubborn about running the ball. <laughs> yes. So, so they know, and they know the scouting report, and they know what's coming, and and they often prepare for that. But, but the way you you get them to back off, and and the way you get them to to be at your mercy and get gain the upper hand is by hitting some of those plays down the field. I love that they're tapping into Michael Pittman that way, because yeah. I, we just got off the phone with Nick Sirianni. 
and their offense coordinator. And I, I thought he had a great comparison where he he mentioned that Michael Pittman in the open field, and Frank Reich has talked about this too. Uh, Michael Pittman, after the catch, he likened him to Larry Fitzgerald, and I totally agree. Not that they're the same player, they're not, but although they're both you know long, tall, big guys in stature, one thing where they're really similar is after the catch, Larry Fitzgerald is a really physical and creative runner. Neither of them is like a 4-3 guy. Larry Fitzgerald that had very unimpressive measurements, if I remember, at the, at the combine. He's not a fast guy like that, especially yeah. now. But what they both do is they are just elusive enough, and they're also very physical runners. You're not going to just tackle them with an ankle tackle. you got to tackle them. And that's something I think they can tap into. So there's there's different ways to get chunk plays. You can get them through the air. You can get them after the catch. Um, I'm fine with it either way. I didn't think Pittman could do that. I didn't right. think of him as a yards after catch guy. I thought him as a jump ball guy. I and mean, that's that's my mistake. I mean, I watched some tape on him from USC and didn't see a lot of that. But Frank Wright clearly did. And you saw that against the Titans. And I just kept telling myself in the Titans game, like, this dude looks like a player. And I think, you know, the leg thing, that slowed him down a little bit. But he's been stacking improvement on top of each other every week. And that's what you want to see from a rookie. They're not all going to have the light flip on right away. But if they can get 100-yard gains from Michael Pittman and, what, 40, 50-yard gains from T.Y. Hilton, that's, I mean, they just need yards however they can get them on offense. And maybe Pittman is the spark this offense is needed. Because if he steps up, then you've got Zach Paschal, Moali Cox, Jack Doyle when he comes back. You know, you've got just another weapon. And, and they've, they've made it very clear that they're going to spread the ball around. They're going to hit 9, 10, 11 guys in the passing game every single week. Um, if if uh, I'm saying Patman because he's the other rookie receiver. Hmm. But if Michael Pittman steps up and continues to basically contribute every single week with those yards after the catch, that's, that's going to be a huge boon for this offense because that's really what they're missing in a huge way from losing Paris Campbell. I mean, really having that dynamic guy that can get you yards when sometimes they aren't there. Yeah. I mean, I, I always liked the Pittman pick, and I like it more after Thursday. So um, I say double down on that for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Will we be able to afford Grover Stewart? <laughs> Those are questions. It's a question I didn't think we'd have to start the year. Uh, I know you're digging into a Grover Stewart story. Yeah. I think the fans out there know it. I think we know it. We see it every week. This guy... No one has improved their stock more this season, and it's it's incredible to see how far this guy's come in four years. You know, so I got the impression from talking to people that there there were some discussions before the season, maybe back in the spring, and that's typical, right? If you have a guy who's going into a contract year and you like him, you should at least have a conversation and figure out where you are. Now, that didn't get done, and that's fine. I don't know how it played out. It doesn't matter. Uh, but the point is, no, he isn't signed, and... Yes, it will cost them some money. Uh, he has definitely increased his stock, and it will cost them more money now. But I think they do it. I think they're going to do it. Look, the Colts are going to have a massive amount of cap space, folks. Okay, so understand that right now. And part of that is because Jacoby Brissett and Philip Rivers are coming off the cap. So that's like a gazillion dollars right there. <laughs> yeah, but who's your quarterback next year? <laughs> but I, that's the question. Now, if, if Philip right. Rivers came back, which is – not out of the question, but I don't know how much of a certainty that is. But let's just say for argument's sake, Philip Rivers comes back. I think that's probably another $25 million roughly right there. But they're still going to be in good shape. They'll, they'll be able to get it done. They, they do have to be judicious, though. They have a, long, a long line of guys uh, wanting extensions. And I think Darius Leonard's probably going to be uh, in line by next offseason. So... It might be a year early, but he's underpaid as a second round pick, and he's going to want to get paid, and he should get paid. There's there's so many guys on that list, man. Yeah, you talk about the free agents right now. That's like Marlon Mack and Anthony Walker, Xavier Rhodes, Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Grover Stewart, and T.Y. Hilton. The guys who T.Y. Hilton. What do they do with him? Oh you know? gosh, yeah, yeah. The, the best receiver they've had in the last decade. And then you move <laughs> ahead, like Quentin Nelson and Darius right. Leonard will be up after the following season. And, and no, you don't need to do them this year, but you're going to have to do them eventually. So, yeah. um, And those are conversations that have already started, believe me. They've already started. A um, lot of questions to ask with those guys. Um, good one here. So the most surprising player and the most disappointing player, both on offense and defense. Mm. I think we just hit on the most surprising on defense. I think my answer would be Grover Stewart. Yeah, I, well, if you want another, that's 1A and 1B, I guess, would have to be Julian Blackman. Uh, yeah. Only because, I mean, I thought he could be good. I actually had him in my mock draft to the Colts, but like in the fourth round that's <laughs> back true. in the spring. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. It, it, it wow, It's a wild guess, right? I mean, mock drafts are bullshit, let's be honest. But I liked his, I liked the fit, right? I said, okay, I know the type of player Chris Ballard likes. I don't know college football like, Mel Kuyper, but I know the type of player they like. And so he made sense that way in terms of the fit. 
I just didn't think he would start this fast. I mean, my God. No, I don't, I don't think the Colts did, to be no. honest. This kid is unbelievable. And I, one little tidbit, um, this is more than the question asked, but um, I love the fact that they brought him down into the box on Thursday night. They that did was that another good element times. of the film review. Yeah. I mean, I'd not I'm not seen that. ready to say I, he can't do that stuff, but man, did he prove that he could on Thursday. Right. I had not seen them do that because Kari Willis is so good down in the box. You don't need to do that. Just let him play the deep middle of the field like he's been doing. But they flipped roles the other night. And they had Kari Willis playing deep a few times and brought Julian Blackman down. And that tackle he made on uh, on the run blitz against Derrick Henry, yeah. oh my goodness. Okay. I'm just saying, they put that on tape. And now if, if you're a team and you see Julian Blackman sneaking down in the box, now all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, where's my tight end? Go get him. <laughs> you know? So it, they're giving teams something to think about. And I love that's good coaching, man. You put stuff on film. And now you got the other team's head swimming. That at least, you know, that's the idea at least. Sometimes so I, I love it. good coaching is, is so simple, right? You just mm-hmm. put your players in the best position to do what they do well. And we've seen this with Kenny Moore over the years, right? Yes. Like all of a sudden the smallest guy on the field is the best blitzer. And you're seeing it with Julian Blackman. And we and I do want to throw out a name that probably doesn't get enough love this season, but Kari Willis has been exceptional in a strong safety spot. Very He's good. been really, really solid back there. You know, the Colts have the fewest missed tackles in football. That's a credit to Matt Eberflus and the way he coaches. And Colts fans know from watching this team over the years, man, like that was a problem. That was a problem a little bit of, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And these guys are exceptional in the open field. Kenny Moore comes to mind. Kari Willis comes to mind. You just mentioned the Julian Blackman play on no doubt the toughest running back to tackle in the entire league. Um, that defense has been really fun to watch. And, um, no, they're not there yet. You got to do it for a full season, but they absolutely put themselves in position to be one of the best defenses in football this year and possibly moving forward because there's not going to be a ton of turnover when you look at 2021 and 2022. I mean, the building blocks are there. Um, there'll be some tweaks and they'll probably add some pass rushers, you know, at the start, but, um, it's been fun to watch that unit grow up. Um, yeah. did we cover all the, did we cover that question? What was it? The best, the biggest surprise on offense and defense, or was it? So yeah, we didn't run? do offense. We kind of got on a tangent on defense. So yeah, the yeah, best, yeah. the best surprise and the be- the biggest disappointment on offense. Mm. Okay, I well, think Taylor. I think Taylor. Is Taylor's the definitely the biggest me. disappointment, and I hate. I feel bad saying. But I'm not that. ready to write him off. No, I'm not. I, I feel bad saying that because I, I'm exactly what you just said. Because I think there's a lot there, and I think we will see it yet. Yeah, but. I, I just think his, he's swimming right now. And he's in the middle of the ocean, and he's swimming, and he needs a life jacket. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's Jonathan Taylor right now. and I, I kind of feel for the kid. And then expectations can swallow you up, man. He thinks it, it sounds like he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I don't. I think really he, think he does. I really and I and I talked I, still, to, I talked to Naheem Hines today about you know about a million things, but one yeah. of them was he's like, look, like I'm in this kid's ear. I'm helping him. He he knows. It will get better. Um, he's got good teammates around him. And and yeah. one thing we should point out is Marlon Mack is there every day, too. Like, every day. How many yes. injured guys just check out and they're out of town? Marlon Mack's been there every day. I mean, think about it. He's got to go do COVID tests just to be in the building. That's how mm-hmm. dedicated he is right now. Don't yeah. underestimate the fact that Chris Ballard knows that and sees that and sees what kind of teammate he is. Um, Marlon Mack is is a good dude. And, and I honestly wouldn't think twice about bringing him back. 
Yeah, I have no idea whether that works out or not, but I will tell you one thing. Uh, he would be welcome with open arms in that locker room. They love him. They mm-hmm. know he's a worker, and and the staff loves him too. So, absolutely. I mean, that's a business decision, and we'll we'll see. Um, and Marlon will have to decide what he wants to do as well. But I tell you what, uh, his value has certainly gone up this year in his absence. No question. And that's that's after going down in the first quarter of the season. Yep. Yep. Biggest surprise on offense. Um, uh, at times, it feels like Marcus Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even though I mean, we've seen him do it before, I think he's he's doing it on a more consistent basis right now. Um, I would say, to a lesser degree, um, one guy you could throw out there is Demichael Harris. He only has that's like what nine. I was gonna say. Yeah, he only has nine catches, I think. But I mean, talk about a, a guy coming out of nowhere and stepping in to an important role. I mean, they've thrown the ball to this guy on a couple of big third downs where you're like, that was your go-to play on third down? Wow, okay. It's very <laughs> clear that they have they have five or six or seven plays in the playbook for him every week. Frank yeah. knows what this guy can do. He likes to get him on the outside and get him in space. And Harris is delivered. I mean, if you would have told me in August the Colts would have a number 12 out there making plays and getting <laughs> first downs, I probably would have laughed. But... 2020 like, like a bad a Andrew year. Luck so here we joke, are. right? Like right, stop, right, stop right. with the bad Andrew Luck jokes, right? Yeah. Right, right. We should probably all move on. But um, <laughs> no, DeMichael De- Harris, man, it, it, it hasn't just been like a couple catches here and there. I mean, they've been first downs and they've been chunk plays. And so, you know, with this offense, everyone out there knows this offense needs all the first downs they can get and all the extra yards they can get. Harris is delivered. Yeah, I, I, I like him. I think uh, it, it shows you that there is value in spreading the ball around because guys have different skills and, and different abilities to, to stress or different ways, I guess, they can stress the defense. So I, I, like, I like their approach uh, from that perspective. Good question here from Chris. Uh, we know Stewart is no longer a secret. Who's the next unheralded Colt to get national recognition? And, and I think this is mm. a good one because, you know, if you think about it on a national scale, who, who are the Colts that are well-known? You start with Darius. You start with Quentin Nelson. Obviously, Philip Rivers. Buckner has been featured a little bit. And Chris had a good suggestion. Bobby Okariki. I was just about to say that. That is perfect. And I totally agree. You know He's why? He's been really good, and he just doesn't get his no, a, a ton of pub because he plays the same spot on the field as Darius Leonard. Right. And you know why he's going to... To, to break out at some point because he's a playmaker. He's going to have one of those, like, for example, against Cleveland. I think he dropped a couple interceptions. Well, Correct. there's going to come a time when he's going to get one of those. He's going to take it to the house. He's done this before, honestly. I think he had a, didn't he have a fumble, a scoop and score last year, if, I, he did, if I'm not yes. mistaken. You know, uh, but he's going to do that in one of these big games and he's going to be. He's going to be on on the highlights on Sunday night, and people are going to be asking, "Who's that guy?" You know, that's going to happen, and you, you, you just can't help it. I mean, he's he's in position to make too many plays that it's it's inevitable. So I totally agree with him being uh, that guy. The other, I, I guess, if there was another one, I guess it might be uh, Blackman would probably be the other mm-hmm. one. But that was but I mine. think I think that that's obvious just because you know if you're watching the Colts, you are, you know what's going on there. Yeah, and safeties, and like you said, safeties are inherently playmakers, and and Blackman could just make some some highlight tackles, some great yeah. interceptions. He could be a guy that really starts to pop this year, next year. Uh, I would say Pittman on offense, maybe not this year, maybe next year, but um, mm-hmm. I really think if he keeps stacking good weeks on top of each other, he could become a legit starting 
possibly even Pro Bowl receiver in this league. Long you, way you to know, go, but he's he's really he's got it all. I think I, I agree. And, and you know, one guy who I think people are having fun watching is Naheem Hines. I, I think yeah. people are having fun discovering Naheem Hines now. Some people, I think he came on their radar last year when he had the two punt return touchdowns. But other than that, I think it's he's been more of a, 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 a he's been more of a secret. I think nationally. Um, but he's such a unique player that I think people are intrigued by him, and and he has a big game on national TV Thursday night, and now, you know, people are talking about him. I, I think he's a guy who's making a name for himself this year. He's kind of in the process already, you know. Yeah, and and he's not. You can't box him in, right? He's not really right. a running back. Like I don't even think of him as a running back. He's a scat back. He's a receiver. He's a punt guy. Um, he's whatever so- you want him to be. Yeah, he's 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 exi- like Thursday night was exactly what Frank Reich envisioned, right? When we go back to draft day in eighteen, he's like, "All right, what, we're like, why'd you get draft this kid out of NC State?" He's like, "Well, I can see him doing this and this and this." And we're like, "Oh, so you see him being like Darren Sproles?" And he's like, "Yeah, basically." What did he do on Thursday night? <laughs> um, you know, Naheem has two games this season with a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. The first Colts running back to do that since Joseph Adai eleven mm. years ago in yeah. the two thousand nine season. They started fourteen and zero. So he's just a weapon. And to be honest, on offense, they need all the weapons they can get. And um, it's it's fun to watch Frank use his skills, you know, and really show what Naheem can do. I totally agree. And one, one last thing on Naheem Hines before we move on. I was talking to someone within the organization today, actually, and we were talking about, like, toughness and, and which players possess it and don't. And one guy whose name I brought up was Naheem Hines. Because we weren't talking about who didn't have toughness. We were saying you have a lot of tough guys. And we were kind of kicking some names around. And one guy whose name came up was, and I brought it up, was Naheem Hines. Because I think we talk about him, as you just said, in this in this manner of like he's this athletic, fast guy who used to run track. And he is. But mm-hmm. at the same time, look at this guy run between the tackles and, and break, run out of ankle tackles and break tackles, arm tackles. I mean – it's really impressive. You know, he has this blend of, That's a good of point. toughness and also just elite athleticism. I think he's so unique that way. So, that, anyway, that's just an observation that I that kind of dawned on me earlier. And I was like, why don't we ever talk about him being tough? Because he is. You, you think know? of speed guys uh, sometimes as just kind of soft, right? They just rely right. on their speed. That's a really good point about Naheem. This is funny. I was just debating this with Ken Dilger on on Wish before the game on you know on our show on Sunday, and he's like, I don't know if that five nine hundred ninety pound guy <laughs> can hold up the rest of the year. And I said, Ken, he hasn't missed a game in the NFL. Like, right. come on now. Um, and and I'm doing this big story on Naheem, sort of behind the scenes, what it's like for a, a player throughout the year. And this guy is taking Epsom salt baths every single night, getting two massages every day, like. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, and that's kind of the cool part about the story. But like you said, hasn't missed a game, and it's not just speed on the edge. I mean, this guy was running through the tackles, running through a really tough Tennessee defense on yep. Thursday night. So um, that's a good point. He's he's really blossomed this year, and you've seen him basically take over two games in Detroit a couple weeks ago and Thursday night in Tennessee. Yeah, oh, awesome. Okay, last one before we move on. Uh, and this is a good one, and it kind of, you know, we could talk for an hour about this, but we won't. Why are fans so hard on Philip Rivers? No matter <laughs> what he does, it's not good enough. Personally, I think he's doing really well. That's what the question is, and I'll let you take it. Yeah, I, I think that I have actually struggled with this 
in terms of my own criticism of Philip Rivers because there have been a couple of games where <laughs> he he showed you polar opposites within a span of a week, right? Yeah. And how do you put that in context? You know, my job is to, and your job, our job is to accu- accurately reflect what we're watching. Well, how the hell do I do that? <laughs> you know, I don't know. So, so I have struggled with this. It's a, it's a good question, and I do think there have been times when I have wondered, man, you know, should I feel bad about that story <laughs> or not? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, twenty five million, buddy, Crimea River. But that being said, you know, we strive to be fair, and the answer I think to this question is why are fans so hard on him? Is honestly, I think there's two things. When you bring in somebody and he's handpicked by the head coach, you think that he's the answer, the, like capital letters, the answer, right. <laughs> you know, but it's never that simple, right? It's not. I mean, he's, he's one of 53. He's an important one, but he's not a magician, right? And he's 38. Okay. So right. like, what did you think? But my point is we had it in our heads or some people had it in their heads. Okay. Well, that's fixed. But it's not that simple, you know. It's never, it's never, unless you've got one of four guys. Do you, right. Let me ask you this before we get off. Do you think Colts fans have too high of a standard for the quarterback? Well, that was going to be my second point. Yes, they do. Yeah. It's not realistic. I now, mean, I, I wonder why that is. I mean, uh, I, I, you heard of this guy who wore number 18. I think he had a nickname. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, if you grew up as you did, Right, yourself. Yeah. You grew you grew up in this town watching nothing but quarterback excellence. For, excellence for twenty plus years. Yeah, and, and Luck didn't even really have like a warm up year. I mean, he was no. so good as a rookie; it was just absurd. That's not normal. And Rivers, I think part of the twenty five million dollar price tag plays a role in this because that's a, that's that's a loud statement. You know, they said we love Jacoby, we love Jacoby. Well, you love Jacoby s- to a certain point but you're willing to go pay a 38-year-old $25 million. That was very clear to me. And also, as Mike Lombardi, who writes for The Athletic, said, he said it best, like after the Browns game, it's like, this guy's too smart to play this dumb. And when you're the quarterback yeah. and, and you do that, you're going to get the criticism. And I think that that's merited. And I don't think we've been too hard on Rivers because he's been bad in situations. I don't know how they lost to the Jaguars in week one. The Jaguars have lost eight straight. <laughs> and they hilarious. beat the Colts. And the Colts are in first place in their division. So football's weird, but... I, I'm starting to see, you know, the body of work in in its totality, right? Through nine games, yes. right? And we'll see it over 16. I get it. I get the move. I get why they made the move. And and I think Rivers has made the offense better. He's not perfect. He's not luck. He's not Manning. But he's made them better. And he's won them a couple games. And we'll see how he does against, you know, the best teams they'll play the rest of the way. But um, but I still I still think it was the right move. I do I do really believe Frank made the right move. And, and compared to what they had, what the options were on the table, I mean, look at look at the Bears right now. They're a, they're a disaster. So right. um, it could and be I worse. think you I like what you said there. You said that look at it in its totality. That is the proper perspective. That's you how know, Frank if, looks at it. Yeah, right. if we look at this from week to week, you're going to have a lot of disappointment because he's not going to play great every week. But I think. Over the course of what is it now? Nine games. Okay. Yeah. Would you? What it has the quarterback play been acceptable or not? I think the answer is yes. I think every objective fan out there would say yes. Yeah. So I think that is the proper perspective, I and mean, that's that's my perspective at least. But it took me a while to get there, and now I, I get it. So I'm with you. 
So yeah, but if he has a bad game on Sunday, all bets are off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the fun part about this league, right? <laughs> Talk to me next week. Tune in right. to next week's podcast. Uh, so you know that's the fun of it, and we'll see. He's got to he's got to step up on Sunday because he's got a gunslinger on the other side, and uh, it's an opportunity. You know he can he can show whether he can you know match Aaron Rodgers blow for blow, and I, I think there are days when he can. So we'll see. We will see. Um, this was fun. I'm glad we did this. I like having you guys have a voice in it, and um, you know you always bring good, deep, inquisitive questions, which I like. So um, you're paying attention. Keep us on our toes. <laughs> I like that. For sure. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it again before, uh, you know, maybe in December as we get towards the home stretch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So anyway, that's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, we've got great stuff coming on The Athletic. You know we always are trying to, uh, you know, give you the best coverage we can. And uh, I'm proud to say we've kind of been able to do that in spite of the pandemic. So we're doing our best, and I uh, hope you're enjoying it and stick with us. So I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiever. Thanks for listening. This is 1% Saturday.